willkommen, bienvenue, welcome to another episode of Offstage, the backstage podcast where we dive right into the world backstage and meet the people who work in theatre and the theatre community. Oh, continental theme this week, <laughs> we started off with. Very nice. Uh, my name's Spencer Tiny. My name is Rory Jakeman, and this week on episode seven, we have Donna Ruain. Yes. And Donna is a theatre sign language interpreter. Really exciting one for, for you this week. Um, just the the breadth of uh, shows that uh, Donna has, and her team work on is is phenomenal. Yes, yeah, really astounding, astounding, isn't it? Uh, Theatresign.com. Uh, I'm currently on a website at the moment, and under her title, she has worked on Jersey Boys, Billy Elliot, Mamma Mia, Blood Brothers, Phantom, We'll Rock You, The Lion King, Shrek, Sing in the Rain, Rock of Ages, War Horse, Chicago, Legally Blonde, Oliver, and that's two sentences in. Yeah, there's like ten lines there of of shows, and it's not just uh, musicals, it's uh, dramas and Shakespeare that uh, her, her and her team um, work on. Work on, that's right. But also... To take note, it's not just in the West End. Her work spans all over the UK. Up and down the country. It's really wonderful. And I've I've worked with Donna um, and I've seen her perform. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, so if you do get a chance, if you do go and see a show that is being signed, you will probably catch Donna. And it's absolutely astounding and imp- it, just impressive what yeah, she does. Yeah, and just the, the fact that bringing... Uh, theatre, making it more inclusive to to everybody, to the deaf community, is is uh, really brilliant. Yeah, she's a real credit to this industry. So we're really glad we caught her because she was in, um, you know, the north before, and then she was travelling down to the Midlands, then the south, and then she ended up in London for a, a night, I believe. So then we uh, we One caught night. her there. One night only. Um, we got nothing else to say, so let's just crack on with our really fun and um, interesting interview. Um, talking to Donna about sign language in theatre. Here we go. Donna Rowan, thank you so much. This is going to be so much fun, I can already tell. Um, I've seen you perform and it's phenomenal. The energy, the effort, everything that goes into it is incredible. So thank you so much for coming. Um, Let's just start with, um, you name me a few shows, a a few shows of of the long signing. Where to start? Um, uh, Currently working on On Your Feet, um, the Glorious Fan Musical, I cover The Lion King, uh, I'm doing Harry Potter this coming Sunday, War Horse, um, pfft, Joseph, you name it, if it's if it's out on the road or in the West End, it's generally one that we're covering at Theatre Side. I mean, I've been on your uh, your website and it's just, you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Like show and after show after show. Yeah, but it's, yeah it's, which is great, it's, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. So, it's daily, isn't it? It's a real daily grind, you know, you're doing an evening show, you know, you know, somewhere. Then you've got a matinee the next day somewhere yeah. else, and yeah. it's constant, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. It can be. It can be quite tiring, um, because obviously the nature of of shows that are either based in the West End or the shows that are out touring. If I'm covering a number of shows out on tour, and you happen to have a tour of Warhorse has gone to Bristol, and then We Will Rock You is in Edinburgh, and they book in their dates one day after the other yeah, yeah. I'm and literally going from, from Bristol to one Edinburgh. side of the country to the yeah. next and 
I've had weeks where I've literally done uh, like Bristol, Edinburgh, down to Southampton, Manchester, over to Cardiff, Cardiff to London, <laughs> then on wow. to Birmingham, and and it can be like that. And my poor husband doesn't see me in entire week. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, not that that's a bad thing, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is busy. It is busy. Yeah, wow. So tell us about Theatre Sign and where that kind of all began. And I know it used to be called Sign Away. That's right. Um, so wh- wh- where was, what was the origin story of... Um, well, I was I was a babby um, in the interpreting world, uh, coming from a, a, a deaf background of deaf family members. Um, I grew up with sign language just being part of my language, part of part of me, part of my family. Um, and when I, I got my first real job, uh, I was a, a YTS trainee. I probably won't remember the YTS scheme, but some people Youth might. Youth training scheme. Uh, that's the one. Yes. That's the one. Twenty quid a week. Woohoo! Yeah. Run. Um, and I was working in a in an office which was a centre for uh, hearing impaired people in Kent and. We supplied equipment and and all sorts of things to to people who were struggling to just get by every day, you know, hearing the doorbell, Mm. phone ringing, communicating. Um, And I met my my first husband, Terry, who was previously uh, an actor, he's deaf, uh, an actor and uh, company manager, ran uh, the Interim Theatre Company. Um, And we just hit it off, because my background was performing arts... Um, and sign language was just a home language. It was right, just, yeah, you know, yeah. I had lots of deaf friends and, and, like I say, family. And it was it was Terry that sort of said, oh, you know what, actually, why don't you qualify? And rather than sort of stepping away from performance, why don't you put the two Combine together? Combine the two, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and it was it was with, with his encouragement initially that I then became fully qualified. But while I was a trainee, we set up Sign Away, which was initially an agency um, to provide interpreters, uh, a, a, a central point for people to call and say, we need a sign language interpreter for a doctor's appointment or somebody's gone into labour or a parent's evening right. or a job interview. Um, and it kind of stemmed from there that we began working uh, at Bromley, the Churchill Theatre in Bromley, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. um, where I did uh, my first show. Um, and and it kind of took off from there, and then around that was the nineties, and then around two thousand and four, it re-established as as theatre sign, which said a little bit more about what we what we'd focused on. And yeah, what you moved into. In. Um, and it it was it was kind of me and and one or two other interpreters for a while because there's no training out there for, or there wasn't at that time any training at all in theatre for interpreters because it's a very very different genre of interpreting to doing a conference or a doctor's mm. appointment um, the rules are quite different uh, and so over the last 20 years I've been developing the training and from my own learning and from my own understanding and theatre goers feedback we've developed uh, various training courses which we've delivered worldwide um, and it's initially was the only training of its kind wow. in the world um, which we're very very proud of we've got a really good reputation um, and now it's just gone from strength to strength you know we have quite a, a few interpreters now we have about 18 interpreters soon to be 20 odd interpreters oh, wow. that we've that we've auditioned for and cast and, and, and brought into the team 
and uh, yeah, something to be really proud of. Yeah, wonderful. Oh, yeah, really proud of. Did, so you, you said that um, you were kind of interested in theatre uh, prior to Theatre Sign. Mm -hmm. um, what, where was your kind of, what, what brought you to theatre originally? What, what did what you enjoy? You to well, I kind of, I, I like most young girls, I went to ballet classes on a Saturday morning and I, you know, I was, I was on tiptoe in sandals most right. of the time. And, <laughs> we've all um, been there at yeah, some point. Oh, I'm still I, there. I, I could tell <laughs> as soon as we met, I knew, I knew this. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it was the usual really. I, I went on to, I studied ballet, um, I did uh, uh, performing arts at school and it was something that I had, um, I got a lot of enjoyment out of. Um, but funnily enough, actually standing on stage and performing in front of people scared me right, yeah. senseless. Um, and so it was more actually the taking part and doing the classes and, and all that kind of thing that I really, really loved. And then when I sort of grew up and became a proper adult, Yes, yeah. when's that happened, Donna? Has, any, has anyone ever achieved that? Mm -hmm. no. um, no, I haven't. When I, when I pretended to become a proper adult, <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, it just kind of my work went into interpreting and having a deaf brother. I, I, I wanted to go down the social work route because I wanted to do some good and then realised very quickly when I started training as a social worker that... that Actually, it was the wrong attitude to have because my brother didn't need somebody to do some good. He needed access to information to be right, able yeah. to make the right choices mm. and be independent, which is where the interpreting side of things came in for mm. me, was about giving people access to make decisions for themselves, you know, and, and be able to have access to everything that I take for granted every day. Um, and not just in, in doctor's and surgeries and, yeah, and just like all communication yeah. just being able to a buy a ticket and go and see a show and yeah. have some choice and over 20 years that's gone from eight shows in a year that the entire UK deaf community are able to access to uh, in the first six months of this year we covered over 300 shows oh wow amazing. that's um, incredible and in 12 months last year it was 300 12 months last year so we've doubled that we're, we're going to double that this wow. year wow and it's it's wonderful because we've got certain days of the year where there might be four or five of our team all working on different shows in different around parts the UK, of the country. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that the deaf audience have have that, the deaf community have that choice mm. to be able to buy a ticket, not to the same extent as anyone else who can hear sure. can just buy a ticket and go on any day. Um, but there's but a date in the diary that they can. Yeah, it's you know, improving. And not just that, but have a lot of a, bit, a lot more choice of uh, what kind of show they want to go and Absolutely. see and rather than it being like like you're saying only a few a year and kind of going oh well that's our one that we yeah to see kind of exactly. you get a bit of a choice of what what you might like exactly exactly and that that's quite thrilling to mm. know that 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 opportunity is there and through and through you guys as well yeah yeah Amazing. it's 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 something that's really fulfilling in terms of being able to say yeah i was there we we, we did something that is actually becoming something quite amazing because it's getting bigger and bigger every year. Um, but it's it's also that um, not because at the beginning it was it was just me um, and maybe one other and we were kind of there were other interpreters that were working in theatre but but to the extent that we have then grown to they they weren't kind of doing as much um, and knowing now that there's not just 
a variety of options in terms of shows that people can go and see, but there's also a variety of interpreters. Because no matter how much you love one actor or one mm. actress, if they were in every single show you went to see, you'd soon get a little bit fed up with seeing their face, wouldn't you? Mm. And and I was feeling like, you know, the deaf community were getting a bit sad. <laughs> um, so, so it's really nice. And it's nice for me to kind of have a really big team. And I've got a great team around me. A really, really great team. Yeah. Donna, I can't imagine anyone going to the theatre seeing you and think, oh, God, not her again. Surely you can't can't have too much of a good thing, surely. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're out there, definitely. We've had, had, um, initially, uh, a few years ago, we had complaints in one of the theatres, and it was, um, a journalist wrote an article which completely slated having an interpreter on stage, that it was one of the most distracting things um, and they absolutely hated it, and we did have a we have had a couple of people walk out of the theatre, and just be like, no, 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 I can't watch it. Mm, and right. and it, you know, so now when pe- when the theatres sell the tickets or when the ticketing agencies sell the tickets, they actually have a like a disclaimer where they tell everybody it's an interpretive performance, and therefore there yeah. will be an interpreter um, in in your in your vision. So, so if people they can't can look then past choose, that, then they can choose yeah, the show. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, because exactly. it's really clear on websites, isn't it, as well? Yeah, or it if it's be. a captioned performance or, yeah. you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Can I just go to um, how you get contacted by... Do you get contacted by a producer to come and do the show? How does that all work? It, it's, it varies from show to show. Some producers we've worked with for many, many years. We've been going for, like, 20-odd years now. So... Um, some producers will know us and they'll come to us and say, right, okay, we've got a tour of such and such going out. Um, we want to basically ensure that all the theatres use, or, or as many theatres as possible, use our preferred provider. Um, and so it will kind of go in the small print and some producers will share the cost with, um, with the theatres. Um, some will just put it basically in, in, their, in their contract with the theatres that we... we we want Theatre Side to provide the interpreter for this tour because they have a working relationship with us. Um, I won't mention which one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, others, we have really, really great working relationships with theatres throughout the UK uh, and here in the West End. And so they know to, to drop us an email and say, we've got this show coming in or we've got this show coming around on tour. Um, what have you got? Yeah, yeah. You know. So a producer will come to you and say, you know, or a theatre, you know, we've got this show. Do they then do they give you the script? Do you come and see the show? How does that how does that work? Um, if it's a if it's a new show, uh, generally, or, or a new show to us that mm. we haven't done, and there's not very many no, of those yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah, um, I love the fact that the tours go round very regularly. Um, we will generally about a month in advance minimum we'll need a script, we'll need an archive copy, DVD of the show. Um, sometimes we get a 10-year-old archive copy of a show uh, if it's if it's always being directed and faithful to the original mm, right. direction, um, then that's okay. But obviously we then have to deal with it's a completely different cast who might perform it very differently. Yeah, so, have their own spin on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it changed quite a bit us. in 10 years. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and so it's very important for us to be able to come and see the show, to see the cast who are in situ. 
Um, so simple things like a line can be delivered in uh, three different ways, depending on whether you've got the the principal, whether you've got the first understudy or the second understudy. Um, they bring something to it. I I think all actors, obviously, in the in in the fact that you're working in theatre, all actors are going to bring something very unique to a part. And as much as you have two or three people playing one particular part, there'll always be some differences, which is quite nice. It keeps it fresh for us if we're doing yeah. performance after performance. Um, I, a great example was uh, working on a Curious Incident. I've worked with, oh, probably about four different Christophers yeah. now. And when you're doing a show like Curious, it's very heavy. The subject material is very heavy. And because, as an interpreter, we're reflecting the characters, you spend a lot of time in the bubble of that character. So, as you've probably noted from, from watching me work, yeah. you'll see that the characters come alive visually. Yeah, they, re yeah, they really do. Yeah. So that the deaf audience aren't having to process all of the information and keep looking and to see who is, who's mm. talking at any particular time. They see the character yeah. come alive, so they instantly can work out if it's mum, dad, Christopher, whoever it's, it is. I guess otherwise, you know, you could get a machine to do it. That's why you bring the, yeah. you know, because you are reflecting a human being. So that's why they need you to be there to reflect those emotions. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, the, what we try to explain to people when they're looking at, well, do I book an interpreter or do I have a caption board? Um, captioning is great for those who have got really good English language skills, really good understanding of English, um, because they can they can read. Some some have a uh, minimal hearing loss, and so the captions are an assistive right. form of of technology, um, and they can hear the difference in voices for the characters to then know who's speaking at any given time. Although they do, I think, change the colour um, of the captions. But one thing it doesn't give you is if you are profoundly deaf, a caption board doesn't give you the intonation, it doesn't give you the sarcasm, it doesn't give you the emotion mm. that's within that line. And if you're reading the board and not looking at the, the stage at that point, then there can be something... A whole part of a plot, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. It's, a, it's one facial expression away from this ending or this ending. And it, it makes a huge difference to... to the patron who's come to see the show. Because of all the travelling that you do around the UK and all the different spaces and different theatres that you work in, do you ever find difficulties with that? Or is that fairly sort of straightforward? Last year, for the first time ever, took my costume quite happily to Leeds to go and sign Shrek. And when I got there, I was signing Jersey Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh. So I had a Happy Villagers costume. Oh, and I, I got there and I was like, Charlotte, this is not Shrek, is it? She said, no, Donna, it's not Shrek, it's Jersey Boys. I'm like, oh, oh, balls. Um, so, <laughs> no, 
luckily in my case I had a, I, I always throw in like a, a generic dress mm. and, and it worked it was fine but um, and now I'm like I'm really really ultra conscious yeah. and I check my diary all the time so I don't so you mentioned about costume. Shrek and the Happy Villager do you have to wear a costume that reflects the period well I don't I don't have to okay but um, we at Theatre Sign, we encourage our interpreters to dress in keeping with the show. Yeah. And the reason that we do that, because it used to be interpreters wore black mm. and stood in front of the pros and it was all in black. But what we found with the feedback from the deaf audience and the hearing audience was that it felt like it was an add-on and it was tokenistic or it was distracting because it just didn't suit the show. And it made people really, really aware that you were there. So what I tend to find is, being a happy villager, when the storybook opens, mm. people already have accepted that you're a character and you're there for a reason, and they forget that you're there. Visually, it's easier for you to blend in. Yeah. So that's a nicer experience for the hearing audience. Um, and it's a nice experience for the deaf audience because they feel included yeah. rather than, oh, this is special for me. They actually feel like the show have gone to some effort to include it. Um, so I, I, there isn't a show that I do that I don't have a costume for. My war horse costume is very tweed. Yes. <laughs> very tweed. Yeah. Um, and I just did Rocky Horror, and I was dressed as uh, the usherette with the full-on yes. backcoat oh, nice, yeah. um glittery, glittery fishnets. Um, <laughs> And it's a bit of a change from when I first did Rocky Horror 20 years ago. Mm. I mean, you know, <coughs> 21, mid-40s. Um, yeah, so I'm not doing the Basque and the Thong and the fishnet stockings anymore. And the fake willy. I, right. I, I did it once with the fake willy, which was hysterically it's funny. It's retired now, the fake willy. Yeah, yeah, I've retired the fake willy. For the moment, willy. anyway. For the moment. Yeah, for the maybe moment. Make it it come might back. come round again. It might come round again. Um, but yeah, I... Um, I I'm trying to think what other shows I've done in weird and wacky costumes. Oh, I, well, I can't reveal at the moment, but I'm I'm doing Harry Potter on Sunday, and I tried on my costume Ooh, it's last exciting. Sunday. So the audience are in for a treat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in for a treat. Actually, I had to try it on to make sure that I could still work in it. Yeah. Um, I once did a panto with John Inman. It was Jack and the Beanstalk in South End many many years ago. And he had decided that he wanted me to wear a cloak which had a beanstalk all sewn all over it. But what he'd failed to realise is that wearing a cloak with no armholes was really, really difficult yeah, for a sign language yeah, interpreter. But he difficult. insisted on me wearing it. <laughs> so that was a fun yeah, show. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, let's give access, but let's hide it. <laughs> <laughs> So what about other things like uh, kind of the speed of dialogue and how, how quick it comes out? So say you were doing like Hamilton or something, mm -hmm. they, they really rattle through that, uh, that dialogue. Um, is that a difficult thing, that, a difficulty that you come up against? It's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge, um, but it's not impossible. Um, it's just about knowing the, the lyrics, knowing the lines like the back of your hand really right. once you know it and it's embedded in your brain uh, the interpreting part is actually I don't want to seem 
facetious, but it, it, it's the easy part, really. Right. The hard part is learning, learning it and it. nailing it. Once you've nailed it in your head, you can then start working on the translation. And sometimes it's actually working through the translation slowly, line by line, and understanding what each line means helps you to embed the lyrics of the song right. in your head. Because you've got to remember, I'm listening in English and I'm signing in BSL, but my lips are doing English, which is not common when right. you're interpreting. Um, you wouldn't use quite so much lip pattern normally, uh, but we do because obviously we're catering for an audience that could be partially deaf or profoundly deaf using BSL. So we're trying to cater for everybody. Um, that's a little bit like patting your head and rubbing your tummy yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I'm sure. But it, it comes with practice. Yeah. Is that something that you'd... Uh that you're in your office or in a studio in front of a mirror sort of practicing? Yeah, we have, um, we have a buddying system uh, and a mentoring system um, where we will work with each other on uh, different scripts. We, we are trying, we are aiming for two of our team to be working each tour or each show uh, so that should anyone not be very well uh, or not be able to make it, we, we at least have a port of call for cover because you can't just pick up a show on the day yeah. and go and do it. You have to learn it. Um, and we wouldn't we wouldn't replace an interpreter that was sick. We would have to just not do a signed performance if if that, that interpreter wasn't mm. able to go on. I've gone on with a broken leg before now. Right. Wow. Literally hobbled onto stage with a broken leg in a cast in black trousers and a black sock and nobody even knew it was broken but I stood for the whole show and, oh, show. and that's not being yeah. a martyr it's because no. there is no one else to cover yeah, it yeah, and when you yeah. think like 75 deaf people have bought tickets to go and see a show they've waited for six months for access to this show and you're just going to go eh, sorry I can't do it I'm not feeling well got sniggled it oh, doesn't happen great. so mm -hmm. yeah we, I've, we've had um, in fact last Christmas one of my team was doing uh, Panto and halfway through, there was a, a dance scene, and she got she went off the stage. She really wasn't feeling very well. She had a drink. She went back on, finished the show, uh, went off. They got an ambulance to her, and she was rushed to hospital. And she was oh, wow. a week in hospital with meningitis. Oh no! Blimey! Um, so she was really poorly. We we are all very very committed. Yeah, <laughs> to, to what that. we do. In terms of uh, other languages, and you and you were saying before that. Um, that you do uh, workshops internationally as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what's like, what's the scene kind of like in different countries? Uh, do they have uh, a lot of signers for um, for their countries? I, I assume that there's in the in the same way that there's different languages that it doesn't translate in terms of signing as well. No, that's right. Each country has its own sign language. Um, there's about 140 different sign languages officially recognised around the world. Um, and each country has its own dialect in different, you know, in the way that you would go from here to Scotland, you would hear a different dialect and, and a different accent. You would also see that in sign language. Um, and it's not only from here to Scotland, it can be from, from Maidstone in Kent to London, yeah. or from London to Bristol, or, you know. Um, it's, we've delivered workshops to uh, Chinese interpreters uh, last year we had a, we did a couple of uh, Skype workshops, which was interesting. Right. And one of the things that we found, because we were working on Kinky Boots, um, and one of the things that we found was while we were working through some of the songs and we were trying to get them to get their 
to get their Lola on. Um, <laughs> because they're quite... Uh, what's the word? Quite regimented in the way that they would... In, in the way that they interpret. And so what we were trying to do was get them to kind of be a little bit more reflection, reflective of the characters, to show the characters in the show. And what we learnt was, in actual fact, the translation of the script meant very little <laughs> to them or for what they're allowed to sign. And so it was really, really tough for us to actually talk them through the experience of a young boy wanting to grow up and perform and dress as a woman and that wasn't really a concept that they were really allowed to portray. Yeah. So that was an interesting one in terms of, well, how do we get to our target goal of a, a faithful translation of the show when in actual fact the subtitles that they have, because it was performed in English, the subtitles that they have use different metaphors and concepts to the script not even equivalents right. in in some cases so that that was a real challenge in terms of working with them to try and get them to work with the translation that they have because there was nothing that they could do about it that was what they'd been given um, but actually make it reflective of the characters on stage so even though they were actually telling a different story at stages they were telling it in the way that that character would tell it Right. And that was really quite foreign to them, quite literally foreign yeah, to them, yeah. um, because they weren't used to doing that. So getting them to kind of move and actually get their sass on and, hmm. and do all of that kind of thing was 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 very different. Yeah. Um, but we did have a room full of uh, Hungarian interpreters at the British Embassy, uh, signing songs from We Will Rock You. And after doing two weekends with them, we got them to actually come in in costume <laughs> which was funny all of these interpreters arriving at the British Embassy which is all you know, mm. you know suits and boots, suits and, boots <laughs> and briefcases and they're all rolling up in ripped fishnets <laughs> and jeans and rocked up um, so that was that was great fun um, and, and we've we've uh, been over to Switzerland and we've worked with uh, a room a room of uh, French German and Italian interpreters uh, who, we, we, the, the specific material we chose for the workshop was the song Let It Go from Frozen um, because we found YouTube translations for each with subtitles. So right. we were like, okay, we can, we can do this, we yeah. can do this. And it's amazing how something so iconic can bring a room full of interpreters together when you can barely speak, you know, like three words of English yeah. <laughs> between all of you sort of thing, not us, but them. Um, but that, that was really interesting. It's really fun to see interpreters being given the licence to act. Yeah. And enjoy it as act well. And enjoy and show rather than explain interpret, which is what we're traditionally taught mm. to do. Um, but in answer to your initial question, where do we stand? The UK, we're actually way beyond anywhere else in the world. Right. We are far more advanced. You'd think America and Broadway were like way ahead of us. Um, it's not true. We provide more accessible performances here in the UK and we regard it more highly 
than anywhere else in the world. But it's getting there, slowly but surely. It's getting there, which is lots of fun to be a part of. Donna, this has been so much fun. This has been brilliant. Can we quickly just end on where do you think the future? What do you think the future holds for sort of sign language and? you know, your sort of company in theatre? Oh, world domination. <laughs> um, I think uh, the way that we're going, uh, we've, we've already doubled, in the first six months of this year, we've already doubled the total number of shows we did last year, which really goes to show that access, that in theatre interpreting, access for the deaf community is, is improving, um, choice is improving. Uh, and I would really, really, really like to see every show that is on, every tour that goes out, having their own interpreter and having more regular performances. And not just one in an eight-week run, but or, or in the West End, you know, every show has, a, has an interpreter performance maybe once every six months or one a year, depending on which show it is. Um, it would be nice to see that happen on a more regular basis, even if it's monthly, or dare I say it, a weekly <laughs> basis. Um, because I think, you know, opening out access to the deaf community to be able to buy tickets, more or less whenever they want to, to go and see a show, rather than having to wait past the initial booking period, because commercially the show's yeah, raking yeah. in the money, so for the first year or so, we're not going to do an interpretive performance because we want to get bums on seats before we do any sort of concessionary rates um, it would be nice if it was if a new show could open and the deaf, deaf community could go yeah I want to go and see that and they could get tickets in the first week or the first month to see a new show um, but we'll keep plugging away yeah we'll keep plugging away at it Donna your, your work is incredible yeah and fantastic thank you so much for having the time having to me. come and talk to us yeah thank you wonderful And as quick as you like, Donna was racing to the next venue to work. That's right. There were, she had a helicopter on the roof, ready <laughs> to go, and then she was straight off and away. That was that whirring noise yes, throughout the whole it was. interview. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, people. But she is a real credit to this industry. Her work and the work of theatre sign really needs to be commended because it's just an amazing thing that they do for the deaf community. That's right, and... Um, and just getting more people to, to be able to see shows is uh, fantastic. Yeah, up and down the country. Right, that is the end of our episode. Please like, subscribe, uh, message us, comment. Um, our Twitter what, handle yeah, is... Where can they reach us? They can reach us, Spencer, at Offstage Podcast on Twitter. That's right. Please drop us a line there. And drop us your five-star reviews that as well. That would be Don't lovely. to drop your five-star reviews. We had a really lovely uh, comment, actually, didn't we, dear? We did, actually. Uh, we had a... Uh, a comment that came in a few weeks back uh, from Mama LL, uh, who wrote uh, that really uh, thrilled to have found the podcast um, and that she teaches young theatre technicians and that this is going to go on their curriculum. So that's brilliant. Yeah, that's really lovely as well. That's the that's the sort of aim of this podcast is to, you know, part of it is to show young people and young theatre technicians and practitioners that there is a a different route from, you know, from the acting side. And there are so many jobs in theatre that, you know, make this machine work. Lots and lots of jobs. And if me and Spencer can do it... Then you can too. <laughs>
Come join us. Come join us. Come join the, the... theatre near you. <laughs> right, that is the end of the episode. December. Wow, that's coming along quick, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we'll have another one to you before Christmas. But in the meantime, wrap up warm and we'll see you for the next one. And Merry Christmas! Oh, Spencer. Bye! <laughs>